to the Idiom Broadcast. My name is Connor O'Brien. If you're new here, this is a show where we interview artists, producers, and industry experts, really anyone who we feel can help you grow as a producer. As always, this episode is brought to you by EdiumProd.com, an online resource dedicated to teaching electronic producers the tools and tactics needed to make better music. If you want to level up your production skills, whether it's learning the basics, writing better music, improving your mixes, or developing a more creative mindset, we've got you covered. Now, in this episode, I have a chat with Candy. Candy is a Brooklyn-based DJ and producer who's currently signed to Thrive Music, which is distributed through Sony, home to a ton of legendary artists. Alongside his Billboard charting solo releases, he's collaborated with artists like Nervo and released official remixes for artists such as Katy Perry and Selena Gomez. Now, in this episode, we start off with Candy's background, discussing his evolution from attending raves in high school to taking up music production. We discussed the early days of the Candy Project and his evolution from writing heavier bass music to the more pop-friendly dance tracks that he's making now. We also discussed the hiatus that he took back in 2018 that helped him to reflect and redefine his sound. On the production side, we spend a while discussing Candy's approach to songwriting and arrangement. He offers advice on how to write music on a more emotional level, a focus that has made him much happier with the music that he's writing. He discusses how to keep things simple with your arrangements and productions and why he avoids hoarding third-party plugins. He also discusses how to identify the creative direction for your music and where he looks for creative inspiration, especially during the pandemic situation. Later on in the episode, Candy offers insight into his social media content, why every producer should download TikTok, and the biggest lessons that he's learned in the eight years that he's had this project. Now, Candy's got a ton of great new music coming up, but unfortunately, can't play you any of it right now, so I'm just gonna play you his track Upside Down. It's my personal favorite, so that you can get a feel for his music and get excited for the episode. With that, let's wrap things up and get to the interview. Here's the Idiom Podcast with Candy. All right, welcome back to the Idiom Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kevin, who releases under the name Candy. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Just uh, doing what everyone else is doing at home. Same old. I feel that, man. To start, I'd like to learn a bit more about your background with music. You can go back as far as you like, but I'd like to learn what got you into music and later on music production. Yeah, so it's it's kind of weird. Um, I've always been around music like my entire life. My dad was like a lead singer in a band and stuff, and I was super around like heavy metal, rock and roll stuff, which unfortunately I don't really like, which is weird. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I've always been around that. My uncle is like a professional pianist and he's also in a band as well. My brother's super into guitar and just music has constantly been around me, but I never, I didn't find what I liked until I found raving. And I kind of fell into that whole raving thing at the age of like 18 years old and I fell in love with it. So I was going out like every weekend. I had like a close group of friends and we were just go out and it was it was like kind of like a, a place to be free and open and be yourself because at the time i didn't really know who i was you know yeah. and it was just fun to go out and do that so after i found that i went home and i was just like i want to make this music this is what i want to do i want to be up there playing my music for people so i just kind of got this like shitty laptop and speakers that barely even worked <laughs> as everyone else usually does that start out yeah. and downloaded fl studio and took it from there so did you have anyone around you that was trying to make a career in music like that? Not 
a career in music. Uh, my whole family, like I said, like was just in it for the fun of it. Like we all love yeah. music and I could always go to my brother and my dad when I want to like share a song with meaning or something like that. Cause he understands like, you know, what goes into a song and meaning behind a song. Some people listen to a song and they don't, they don't see that. Yeah. So it's good that I can go to like my dad or brother for feedback or something like that when I'm writing. I think what's also really interesting in that, and I think a lot of people can relate to growing up with like a certain musical style and just never really gravitating towards it. And then later being like, oh, there's this entirely other community or culture of music that is amazing. Like, it's I think so I did weird that. To me. Yeah. Like, I think, um, like, I played piano really young and it was all classical piano and I just didn't like it. And See, then, I you know, classical. I was, yeah. So it's like the opposite. But by the time I hit like 16, 17, after not playing piano for a while, I was like, oh, there's all these other genres and avenues that I can use my talent and abilities for. So it's like kind of funny for you. Like you were introduced, didn't like the rock, but finally found like kind of your niche with the more raving scene. Yeah. Like I, I can understand it and stuff like that, but it's just, it's just not me. I don't know why. And it's been around me my entire life. But when I found the rave scene, that was it for me. It was just full force. I love this music, the energy and, the people around me and just the whole vibe of the entire thing is just my favorite still to this day though. Like I'll even be out in a crowd at a festival or something like that 24 seven, yeah. even when I have like a backstage access or whatever. So you got a computer, got a felt, what were kind of those next steps for you getting better at production? Um, I just, so I kind of just like locked myself away in my room 24 seven and my parents were kind of concerned, but at the same time they understood that I love the music, but they didn't get that music as parents do dubstep yeah. and all that stuff. They're like, what is this? This isn't music, <laughs> blah, blah, Um, So I just kind of just started making my own music and kind of at first I, I was kind of copying artists because I guess a lot of artists do that when they first start out. Yeah. Um, like my biggest inspiration at the time was like laid back Luke. He was like one of the first people I seen. So I was making a lot of like Dutch house and stuff like that, or at least trying to. And then I just started like posting tracks that were like completely horrible. If you listen to them now, I don't even <laughs> want to think about it. And just hoping that I would get some plays and, you know, like I would get like 50 plays at the time and I would just keep doing that. And, you know, persistence really makes a change if you're passionate about something. So at what point did those plays start to go a little bit above 50 and you start to see some traction growing? I think the first time was when, um, I don't know if you know this artist, his name is Mosca. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he was like under laid back Luke at the time and he reposted one of my records called Cherokee onto his SoundCloud. Okay. And then from there, I got all these follows and GTA, which is another big inspiration for me, close friends now, yeah. um, started playing that record out. And then my name kind of just started trickling down from there. And then I just, you know, kept making the music. So would you say, at least with your project, you've been doing it for how many years now? Uh, about eight. Was there ever kind of like a breaking point for you for the like, you know, that was kind of your first break being like, okay, I'm getting some support, some artists that I look up to are liking my music. What was kind of that next level up for you? I think when GTA played that record at EDC Vegas on like main stage or something and someone sent me a video and I was like, what is going on? How is this even possible? Like a sea of people dancing yeah. to my song. And at that point, that was like a huge, huge deal for me. So I think one thing interesting about your brand is the amount of kind of more pop remixes that you do. I think that's kind of a hard lane to get into. And you did one recently for Katy Perry, which is killing it, but you've been doing them for a while. So kind of talk about how you got into those relationships. Yeah. So um, I forget what year it was. Uh, I'm going to say like 2016, I found management and okay. I was 
how I did that, uh, I was working really closely with Tommy Sunshine because he came to me and he was like a early believer in what I was doing. And he was managed by somebody. And that manager was like, I'm interested in you. Like you're crushing the music that you're making. I think I want to like take you on and see what I can do with you. So he did. And he brought me the remix opportunity for Selena Gomez because he was close friends with somebody at Interscope. And I did the remix and they completely loved it. And that was just like another breaking point for me. A Selena Gomez remix, officially my first ever big remix by myself. Yeah. And even like now, I know I'm pretty sure that's in the like pop remix Spotify playlist. And like obviously Spotify players are a huge driver. So even having that now, I think it's been beneficial for you. Yeah, it's not like, I think like 7 million plays or 8 million or something. I mean, is that a number that you can kind of even, even fathom with something that I'm no. sure you just threw out there back in 2016, 17? No, because I was, I was making, I was making a lot of hard stuff like dubstep and like all that type of stuff. Yeah. So when I got, when I got that remix opportunity, I kind of flipped it and did like a more radio friendly thing. And that's what took off and kind of like sparked in my head. Maybe I should down the line, start making stuff like this. So would you say that you've kind of continued that sound moving forward? And I'm asking this just because I think a lot of people listening to this are kind of finding that niche between making exactly what they want and maybe making something that's a bit more user-friendly, not necessarily commercial, but something like that, that can be more of like a radio hit. Is that something that you kind of like thought of moving forward? Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to like me finding myself, which we haven't really talked about yet. Um, yeah. That was like a complete turning point for me where I was actually able to go from the heavy stuff and start writing things with meaning and things that like will connect on a, on a global scale rather than just one niche of people. Yeah. So kind of talk about that. Talk about what your approach was before then, what you were thinking about when you were writing music and then kind of how it flipped afterwards. So when I first started, I just thought I'm going to make the heaviest shit I could make. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get played out that I like and just like clicks with me. And I just continued that. And then I kind of like found myself, I guess. And I came out openly as gay. And um, I think, I think thinking back that the reason why I got into dance music and raving is because I was closeted. You know, like it yeah. was just a free open space where I was able to leave my house and go out and be around all these open people that didn't care about what you were, you know? Yeah. So I came out and completely flipped the script and started writing things that had meaning to me and write stories and stuff like that. So at the start, who were you making music for before then? Um, I think just like the EDM, the EDM fans, like yeah. people that go to festivals and want to just rage out, which I love. I still love that stuff, but finding this new this new area kind of like let me step out of that and kind of step into like an artist artist where i can write things from the heart and also have it connect on a global scale yeah i think a lot of people struggle with the fact that sometimes those two things are different what you should you know quote unquote truly be doing as an artist and also what you really really enjoy like for example just because i love like indie rock music or hip hop doesn't mean that that's the thing that I should be trying to create. That's what my true kind of artist sound is. So I think it's like a pretty pivotal and also like mature move to be making and be like, okay, I'm going to start making music in the way that I want for the crowd that I want. Yeah. And like, I've always said this, it's, it's so important not to pigeonhole yourself with music production because you don't know where your career is going to go, right? Like you, you just know you make music and you want to be well-versed in all areas of that, whether it's making music for other people or you have a remix opportunity that needs to be a specific, a specific genre. You want to be able to do everything. So when you find the thing you want to do, you're able to do that as well. Yeah. 
So kind of fast forwarding up to the past year or so, I feel like you've definitely leveled up your sound. You've got um, a couple great tracks, Upside Down, which I want to talk about later on our production side, and then also Supermodel, which you did with Nervo. I think it'd be cool to kind of hear how that opportunity came up. Yeah, uh, so I, I just recently signed with Thrive, which is the sub-label of Capitol Records, which is super exciting for me. They're awesome over there. And Lady Gaga is like one of my biggest inspirations. So I kind of wanted like a female, a powerful female role involved. And the label was like, hey, we have Nervo that's like really interested in this demo. So I sent it over to them. They sent me something back so quick. I was like, um, <laughs> this, this is amazing. I love working like this. Yeah. And before we knew it, we were shooting a music video together and we just clicked. Like they're amazing girls. Yeah. So how did you initially get linked up with Thrive? Um, well, Carlos, the A&R from Thrive, has been in my like has been a close friend of mine for a while since my first management. Yeah. So he's kind of followed my whole road, my whole journey of music, and he just started putting out more and more of my music and was like, "Hey, like we're interested in in signing you. Is that something you're interested in?" And I was like, "Hell yeah! <laughs> Why wouldn't I?" So, kind of one thing in terms of you kind of steering your sound. I feel like at least in the past like year or so, there's been just this pop sensibility to your tracks in both the remixes that you do and the originals. There's generally like a forward vocal and it's something very hooky, but also very dance floor oriented. Is that something that kind of came about naturally or how did you fall into that style? Because kind of like you were saying earlier, it's definitely a shift from the more heavy kind of melt your face stuff from six, seven years ago with this project. Yeah, well, honestly, when I'm by myself, all I listen to is pop music and I always have besides the edm stuff but pop music is my go-to so i tried to like infuse both but kind of keep it like radio friendly which yeah. is why all my records are like danceable but still have meaning to it and you can literally play it on the dance floor and people will go nuts to it so it's a good middle ground for me and i'm happy that i found this area and that's not to say that it won't change down the line because i i love switching things up and that's kind of like what it means to be an artist you always yeah. like reinvent yourself and reinvent the wheel so I'm kind of curious with kind of the different variations that you did to your sound and kind of the different stages in your life, you documented all of those with your music and your artist project. I think a lot of artists might have kind of hit a breaking point or a ceiling with their artist project and then done a rebrand and tried to start something from scratch. Is that something that you ever thought of as you were kind of navigating these different styles to find what your sound was? I've thought about I I still think about it all the time yeah. and that's that's definitely something that <laughs> I I I probably will do in the future is either a side project or something like like that cuz there's so many different genres that I want to make but to put out like a techno record right now would make zero sense to anyone so I think I think it's also important to keep your niche and keep it like linear you know Totally Cool so I think with that we can kind of slide things over into production First question I want to ask is, you're stepping into the studio, you don't really have a track that you're working out of mind, going to start something from scratch. What does that process typically look like for you to kind of start something in the DAW? Um, so I need to be inspired by something or hear something that I'm inspired by, and I'll just take it from there. Usually I start with my drums and bass line, because yeah. those are my two favorite elements, <laughs> always. Um, and then I'll just kind of build onto it. And then once I have like a skeleton of that, I can kind of move things around and make up like a song that makes sense and like a storyline. So when you talk about inspiration, is that from a track? Is that an idea you're thinking of? Where do you kind of go for those things? Oh, it could be from anything. I was watching like, I was watching Peter Pan the other day and I was like <laughs> so inspired by the You Can Fly song. I don't know, something about like the harmonies in that song. It just like, yeah, get me. I don't know why, but inspiration comes from everywhere from me. 
I think it's also super important just to be open to where all those different things come from. Like, I think some artists might not think of watching Peter Pan and like hearing a score from it as being inspiration. <laughs> I'm just a sucker for cartoons. I love. <laughs> no, but I think like uh, I was, I had a good podcast with somebody else that was talking about like Adventure Time being a big inspiration for them. Like, I think you yeah. can find it from anywhere, but there's like a certain openness and just kind of like being ready for anything at any time that I think any really successful artist has that ability to just like grab anything from anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, like, especially with this quarantine right now, I'm just doing the randomest stuff, like, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, so random, like, at-home photo shoots, hanging stuff up on my walls, and, like, rearranging my whole room, and getting inspiration from things that I normally wouldn't, and I think it's important to, you know, step out of your comfort zone and try something different. So, I kind of want to go back on to... When you're starting a track, you said your kick and bass are kind of your your um, drums and bass are kind of your focus. And anyone that's a fan of your music knows your bass is always like forward and present in your track. So kind of talk My about favorite. what are your go to synths for that and any tips for kind of writing catchy bass lines, because I feel like you do a really good job in that front. Yeah. So for bass lines, I'm always I'm always using serum as everybody is. But serum yeah. is so cool because there's so many different things you can do with it. You just yeah. like I just open it up and just see what I can do and see what comes about. And um, I don't know if you know the artist Sophie. Yeah. Yeah. She's a huge inspiration for sound design because she makes everything from scratch. And like, uh, that's not something that I typically do all the time, but it's, it's cool to be able to like make your own sounds, but it just, it's really time consuming. So I try not to, but yeah. So kind of like with that, are you generally like using presets? How do you kind of like build off of that to make more interesting and unique sounds? It's different. Like every single time I open it, it's just different. Whatever works at that time works. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll make a, a baseline from scratch, like the baseline upside down I made from scratch. Um, and sometimes I'll use a preset from like massive that just works perfectly in the mix. So why change up anything about it? Anything from like a post-processing point that really helps your basses to stand out in the mix. I feel like in like upside down, which we can kind of dive into if you want to on the production, but that like baseline is so forward and present in the mix. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. Just a lot of, I use a lot of heavy distortion and EQing the right way. And okay. distortion is like my favorite thing ever. I use it on a lot of things. <laughs> so does everybody else. I don't, I don't even know the name of this plugin. It's something Saturn. It's from um, Fab Filter. Yep, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't come up with it off the top of my head. It's it's so cool because you're able to you know shift each frequency like lows, mids, and highs. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, a lot of people when they're like, I got this question the other day in kind of like a mixing uh, Q and A that we were doing, and I think a lot of people run into the problem with when they're adding distortion to sounds it gets like really harsh really quickly. And that's one of the greatest parts about Saturn is because you can say, hey, let's just focus on the low mids. Don't exactly. worry about giving the top any harshness. Just give the body, the lows and mids kind of some more tone with it. And you know, it's weird for me because I don't, I actually don't have a lot of plugins. So all these producers would be like, oh, do you use this? Do you use that? And I'm like, I don't use a lot. Like, and I'll even sit down in the studio sessions and that a lot of producers will ask me, hey, do you have this? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you feel like that is when every other, you know, the majority of producers on the planet, myself included, just hoard plugins like there's no tomorrow? Well, first of all, my PC can't handle it. That's number <laughs> one. I, I yeah. need to get a new a new computer, a new PC at home studio. Um, and it's just, it's different. You know, a lot of bass producers have a lot of different plugins and stuff, and I'm just happy with what I, what I have. Yeah. Like if it ain't broke. Yeah. Don't fix it. Like I was, also, um, I'm afraid of change. So, <laughs> I mean, I think like it, it, 
it's difficult to find your style and your sound. So once you find it, you know, unless took me eight years, <laughs> yeah, it took you eight years. So you're like, you know what? I am holding on to this. This is my baby and I don't need anything else right now. Yeah. And it's, it's working and I'm enjoying it and I'm having fun. And there's so much that I can write about right now yeah. that I, that I still haven't written about that I can put into it. So it's just, it's working for me right now. And I'm just rolling with the punches. And I've been thinking about that idea a lot recently. We've got a podcast that'll probably be coming out next week with this artist, Leno, who has a very, very distinct sound. And he kind of talked about how once he found that, it was kind of easier moving forward. Yeah. And I don't know, I've been like thinking about that a lot since I recorded it, where like, if you can just like find those things that work from all the different avenues, from a synth, drum, songwriting, from percussion, all those different things, and just kind of meld them together. And then just build off of that. Obviously, like you're not doing the same track every time, but that's like so hard to do once, you know, don't have to start from scratch again with it. Yeah. I mean, if you have like a baseline that you use in every track, it's so easy to take that baseline and do something different with it, whether it's half timing it or whatever you might do. It's just use that yeah. sound that people are familiar with and change it up. Well, and I think it's, you made a really good point off of that too. Like you've got your, you know, production style kind of nailed down right now and you're going to leverage that so that you can get more creative with the kind of more personal emotional side of music you're not worried about you know what new synths or like you know designing everything from scratch you can just be like hey i've got my instruments down let's go get creative and like write what i'm feeling right now yeah you know i'm a i'm a huge huge sucker for like creative direction behind the music that's yeah. like one of my favorite things to do is like write a story whether it be in a music video or something like that kind of like as Lady Gaga does it a lot, and she's like, like I said, one of my biggest inspos. And she writes full on like stories in her music videos that people don't understand, but some people do. And yeah. when you do, it's just people respect you even more. And that's my favorite thing to do. And I haven't had the chance to do that in a music video yet, but down the line, that's like something. I think the idea of putting a story and kind of a creative direction behind your music is something that gets lost a lot in the production world because people are so focused on all the nitty gritty on the production that they forget about the important part of this, which is the story, the song, how it resonates with, you know, a mass audience. So kind of on your end, what is your process for developing that and infusing that into your music in terms of the story and kind of creative direction for your art? Well, I just write from the heart first off. And then I kind of like think of cool, cre different creative ways to put a spin on it, which I, again, I haven't had the chance to do yet, but there's so many ideas in my head that I can't wait to be able to. And yeah. Cool. So one thing that I really like in your music, you can kind of hear it in your approach. You're not overthinking it. You're keeping things kind of minimal and just right where they need to be. But I feel like you also do a good job maintaining interest in a mix. There's always things that are moving and developing. They might not be super complicated, but things are kind of flowing all the time. Can you talk about how you kind of integrate that into your tracks and advice for somebody that maybe suffers from a bit too stale and repetitive of music? Yeah, so um, diversity is like the main thing for me, whether it's like if you have like a bunch of elements together in one section, it's important to like chop everything out and just keep a baseline there with a vocal. Yeah. Like people, people's attention just get grasped quicker or better, you know, so diversity is a big thing for me. And just keeping that driving baseline going. The base, it's all about the baseline. If you can't play it on a dance floor, it's not going to work. Yeah, I think it's also just it's always important to like relate on what listeners are going to be focusing it on. Like listeners can really only focus on two or three things at a time. So when it really comes down to it, the like seventh percussion layer that you have in there doesn't really matter. If you've got yeah. you know, a vocal and bass, people are going to be focusing on those two things. And obviously for you, um, 
you know, the bass is going to be really important with like a more dance floor oriented thing. So it's important just to like simplify things to what you really need to be focusing on. Yeah. For like, for example, like Dua Lipa, her new album, she does it a lot. Um, yeah. I forget. It's called break my heart. I think it's like this big, big build. And then it just chops and it's just a baseline in her vocal. And it just grabs your attention immediately. And she does that a lot. Even with don't start now, like she does that as well. Yeah. I think people too often when they think about drops being big, they think about so many different layers and elements, but yeah, if anything like good, it doesn't have to be with like, you know, good songwriting is all about contrast. Like, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a minimalist. Like I like, I like, emptiness and beauty and emptiness yeah a lot of times when people really struggle with arrangement where they think they just have to go bigger and bigger and bigger i tell them to check out this big wild track when i get there because it's this like big orchestral buildup. it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then cuts to just kick bass and vocal and it's like so small and minimal but that contrast is so cool you're like oh i had no idea i was going here it's not heavy it's not big but it freaking works another example another big radio record is charlie poof's attention that just yeah that baseline with just the exactly. vocal just catches me every single time. And I, I love that about it. It makes sense even just listening to your music that you are a big fan of pop music too, because there's an arrangement <laughs> and a writing style that you need to be focused on. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's like I said, I listen to it when I'm by myself. Don't tell yeah. anyone that though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's a good lesson for anyone listening to this podcast too. Like even if you're producing dance music, there's so much that you can learn from pop music from the simplicity aspect. I think every dance music producer pretty much suffers from overproducing. So it's like good to listen to the people that are very, very good at underproducing and putting just what needs to be in there. Yeah, and I think it's like a, a thing that's like ingrained in like the EDM fans' brain is like pop music isn't cool, you know. It's like oh, that's not cool. Like EDM is cool, but it it really is. Like there's, it it's so much harder to write a song that's radio friendly and yeah. have the chord progression right and have the vocal top line melody right and have the bass line right and have everything work and then have it chart. That yeah. is the hardest thing to do. So in the, you know, you've kind of fallen into your own with your sound recently. Do you ever feel like you run into creative block or creative ruts when it comes to writing? Yeah. Weirdly right now in quarantine, I've, um, I have a creative block and I'm doing everything else, but making music and it's driving me crazy, but yeah, I've been in, I've been down this road before where I just need to like take a step back, go with the flow, be inspired by whatever I'm inspired with at that time and then go back to the music. I think that's interesting, especially given the fact that what is a big inspiration for you is shows. You initially kind of got into this from like the rave scene. And at least for me, like shows are my biggest inspiration. So I feel like at least for myself, I've kind of had to take a step back and like look for other avenues of inspiration for music or just to kind of let things be if that's not going to be there. So I'm curious like kind of if you've done anything like that on your end. Uh, well, that's another that's another area of inspiration that I get that I draw from. I, but like I said before, I get it from everywhere. So it's like, it's crazy. So I just my big thing is just to roll with the punches. And that inspiration has always gone away. And it's always come back. And sometimes it comes back even stronger than what it was before. Yeah. So just go with it. It'll be there. So speaking of things that you're doing in quarantine, you've been crushing it on the social media content game. And I think over the past oh, like, year or two, I feel like you do a really great job. Like you don't, you're not this ginormous enterprise, but you're putting out consistent content, both kind of more professional stuff, more just kind of like personal DIY stuff. And a lot of it is like very forward facing. Like uh, I think your upside down music video is more forward facing. So 
kind of talk yeah. about first off, what is your approach when it comes to social media content? And then two, I kind of want to loop back into your overall like branding strategy with this. Cause there is kind of like a core thread with your uh, kind of content. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge, like I love fashion and I love clothes and stuff like that. And down the line, that's definitely something that I will be doing is starting like my own fashion line. And I just draw yeah. a lot of inspiration from clothes. So that's another thing that I, yeah. that I'm inspired by. Um, so I like to showcase that and showcase my style. Um, I love doing photo shoots, creative photo shoots. Um, that's another thing. And again, with the upside down video that I just did, I had to do that from home. Uh, we, we plan to do a full, full length music video for it, but obviously yeah. Miss Corona came in and, and ruined it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, started hanging stuff up on my walls and just shooting videos that way and just making things work from home. I mean, I think one thing that when people ask me about social media and like posting content that I always recommend is just posting what you're doing and what you're interested in. And for you, like exactly. you're really interested in fashion, you're interested in photography. So you're like, that is what I'm going to be posting about. And I think it's important for anyone that is thinking about developing kind of a social media strategy, just to like figure out what you naturally fall into. Figure out what you like and just keep doing that. Like for me, I like fashion, so I do a lot of photo shoots with fashion with cool, creative content ideas like that. And it's important when you're like jumpstarting a, a brand to keep consistent with what you like because then you won't be inspired anymore to do those things if you're not yeah. posting what you like. Same thing with music. If you're not making the music you like, what's the point? So kind of tracing back through your candy project, we've talked about some of those bigger turning points in terms of your like tracks getting noticed and kind of played out. Anything else from a growth standpoint that you felt like has been pretty important to just kind of like scaling up and growing your social presence as well as your fan base? There has been so many. I, it's so hard because the road has been so long. Like, yeah, I've, my music has been in like commercials. That's been like a huge thing for me. Like I randomly got like emails of people asking my music to be in like Radio City Music Hall. And that was in like 2017, which was a few years ago. But like at the time I wasn't, anything you know so that was yeah. a huge turning point for me commercials and stuff like that and then pretty much every artist was playing my music out which was like insane to me because i look up to these people you know so that was a big thing but once everyone started playing that music out i feel like i plateaued so i kind of just flipped the script and tried making different styles of music and then i fell into this so anything else that you're doing, we talked about kind of that your social media that you're doing right now, but anything else different that you're leveraging right now, just with the quarantine situation, we're not able to play shows, we're not able to really go outside of the house. So kind of what are you doing to continue this kind of growth with your project? Honestly, don't make fun of me, but I've lately I've been on TikTok a lot. I love it. At first, I was so hesitant to get on TikTok, but it is my favorite platform right now, just because yeah. it's so it's so new and it's so fresh and it's so easy to like put out content that you're not able to put out and get the views on Instagram because yeah. a lot of people are limited and stuff like that. And there's a whole algorithm, but right now TikTok is fresh and I'm finding different avenues of creative things that I really like, which is why I've started doing those DIY photo shoots. I've been seeing a lot of that on there that I wanted to try out. And I realized that you can do a lot at home. Well, I think it's also you know, you were hesitant at first, but you made that leap because I'm sure in part you were like, Hey, this is where people are hanging out. This is where the fans are. This is where my target audience is. So if I want to be connecting with them and growing, especially right now, while you can't get out of the house, you got to do it. 
Yeah, and a lot of people are hesitant to get on there because they think it's a lot of like little kids. But the thing about TikTok is whatever you're hashtagging and whatever your audience is, it'll show you the same thing that you're hashtagging. So I found like this whole group of like music producers that are making like cool remixes and yeah. doing the same things that I like to do. And I'm finding new artists, which is really cool because I love finding new artists that deserve attention. Yeah, I feel like TikTok is getting stereotyped for the big TikTok videos that, you know, get on whatever, like BuzzFeed and stuff with like the weird yeah. cheesy dance videos, which like yeah. are there, but like, you know, there's awful stuff on YouTube too, but there's also a lot of great things on YouTube. Like it's just lumping it into one ginormous bucket. So, you know, the least you can do for anyone listening is just download it, put it on like a weird <laughs> Gmail that you never use and just snoop around, to, you know, use some hashtags for music production and just like, you know, you don't have to post yet, but just kind of see what they got going on. And it's cool because once you make it's only like short little video clips. So I do like these cool like remix how I made like how I made keeping secrets or how I made upside down and then I can post it on all my social media. So it's a cool little thing that I do. Cool. So kind of on the music front, upside down was your most recent release. What do you got coming up in the next few months? Well, I've been putting out a lot of uh, the radio records, so my next upcoming release is called Bounce House, and it's a super housey, heavy, bassline-driven record that I'm really excited for. Yeah. Um, that should be coming out in like two weeks, and it's coming out on the label I'm signed with, Thrive, and I'm super excited to do something different. Yeah, what was your like inspiration kind of going into that? Did you just like want to break from what you're doing in the more pop stuff? Kind of talk on that. Yeah, there wasn't really much inspiration. It just kind of happened. Like I sat down, I was like, I'm going to start something brand new today. And I came up with this baseline. I was like, this is really tight. I really like this. I'm just going to keep going with it. And actually, like, uh, it's so funny because I had, I needed a vocal for it, like a cool little vocal. So yeah. I just called up one of my friends that lives in LA and she's not even a singer. She's just like one of my close friends or a vocalist. Yeah. She literally recorded these vocals that I, that I wrote and sent to her in her closet on her iPhone and sent it over <laughs> to me. <laughs> and I just put a bunch of effects on it and stuff and made it sound cool. So I'm excited for everyone to hear it. I love that. I love that DIY approach that you had towards that. And it just sounds like a lot of your approach towards production is just very like, you know what, screw it, let's run with it. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's so cool. Music production is so cool like that. You're able to just do whatever you want, you know? Do you feel like over the years you've done a better job about not overthinking things with regards to music? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Things only get worse with overthinking. Yeah, everything. I overthink everything. And I think every artist does. It's important not to, though. I say that and I still do. So take it with yeah. a grain of salt. I mean, I think like so many life lessons that you hear from artists are things that they regularly struggle with. So yeah. it's like they truly do understand it. And I think it's that's why it's always for me so important to have like a community of creative artists that you're around just to be able to identify with and be like, hey, they're going through the same stuff, too. Yeah, it's scary. Like it's scary to pour your heart out in a song and then put it out and then hope people like it. So one thing, kind of going back to, we were talking about Spotify a little bit earlier, but you've done a great job with Spotify growing both in the editorial playlist and in some independent ones. Do you have any advice or tips on kind of your keys to growing your uh, Spotify streaming? Well, that is a lot of what my record label does for me, is they are very good at playlisting. And I've had, I've had relationships. Another thing is networking. Over these eight years, I've met tons and tons and tons of people and grew genuine relationships with them. Yeah. It's important to make an actual friendship with people and not something that you're just there to like get something from somebody. You know what I mean? So totally. 
um, I have a close relationship with SiriusXM from just seeing them over the years and constantly talking to them and, you know, growing a friendship. So kind of on that note, I feel like a fun question to ask might be, if you could go back eight years when you kind of started the Candy Project, what would you say to yourself that you feel like you could have done better? Oh my God, you put me on the spot. <laughs> um, Take a sec to think. Don't think too much into it. At the time, I was, I was literally, I didn't even know what I was doing. And I was just driving myself crazy with it, with the overthinking of what I need to do, who I need to talk to. Uh, things just come organically. If you're if you're driven and you're passionate and you're hardworking every single day, and you put music first and you keep going. I know it sounds cliche, yeah, but just keep going with it, and more and more people will gravitate to you. You'll meet other people. You'll meet people in the radio section. You'll meet people in the playlisting section. Just keep going. So we've got a lot of both newer and intermediate producers listening to this podcast. What advice would you give to a more intermediate producer that's been, you know, working on music for kind of three to four years, but just hasn't really broken through getting to where they want to with their career or where their sound? So at the time when I was in that point, I was just cold emailing every single label that I could. And I know you probably won't get many replies because I didn't at the time, but it's super important to network and be at as many events as you can yeah. and meet, meet people because that's how I made these relationships with these big artists. I'd meet somebody and then I'd end up backstage and I would introduce myself and I would constantly see these big artists all the time and keep introducing myself. So they remember me and be like, Oh, okay, this is candy from the last show he was at. And then yeah. once you have that relationship, you can kind of slide in and say, Hey, I have these records. Can you please check them out? I, I think they'd fit your label and just get those labels behind you. Networking is a huge thing. Yeah. Would you say networking is something that comes naturally to you? Yeah. I'm a, I love, I love <laughs> socializing and being out and partying and stuff like that. But when it's time to crack down, it's time to crack down. Yeah. And I think a piece of advice too, for people that aren't as good with that is if you're looking in getting a manager, find somebody that compliments you with that. Like for me, yeah. I'm not very hard nosed. Like if somebody tried to undercut me for royalties, I'd be like, okay. So I'm like, I know for a manager, I need somebody that's going to be a bit more strong with that, that is willing to lay down their foot. So if there's somebody that's struggling with networking and really just sucks at it, you can, you know, obviously get better at it yourself, but find people around you that are good with that. Yeah. And it, for management, it's super important for you to find a manager that understands you and understands your vision. Cause I've been with management. I've been through three of them and yeah. a lot of them didn't understand my vision and i'm happy that i found a manager right now that just understands me for me we have a really close relationship and she would do anything for me cool so one last question we've got your kind of more bass driven ep coming out at the end of the month other than that what's going to be coming up for you over the summer um well right now i don't really know yeah. I would like to I would like to be at the beach, but that'll probably be <laughs> shut down. But other than that, just uh, making music from home and which I've always done. So it's nothing not really a big change for me. And yeah. just collaborating with those bigger artists and trying to get my records to the next level. Love that. Cool. Sweet. Well, with that, we will wrap things up for this episode. You can find Candy's music in the description of this episode. So go give it a listen as this podcast is just about over. Kevin's been great chatting with you. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope this helped out the artists that are listening a little bit. Awesome. <laughs>